Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Bear Thoughts. Join us today as we sit down with Gargana, co-founder and CEO of Blonde Gone Rogue, to hear about her journey, inspirations and learnings as she navigates through making sustainability and transparency the norm in fashion. Blonde Gone Rogue started in 2017 with the belief that there is more to fashion than meets the eye. They created an ethical and transparent supply chain to prove that it is possible to treat employees fairly and pay living wages. They found the most sustainable and people-centered way to create our clothes from upcycled materials. They also launched a solution called the Blonde Chain, which gives consumers complete transparency into their production process. Listen on as we talk about circularity, sustainable fashion, what we can do as businesses and consumers, and the question of the hour, how do we tackle greenwashing? Hello, Gregana. How are you today? Hi, Mehul. Hi, everybody. Um, I'm doing great. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing really good. Thank you so much for taking this time to kind of connect with us and hop on this podcast and share your kind of insights, learnings, journeys with us. Um, How about we just start with telling the audience and listeners a little bit more about yourself? Um, So first, thank you very much for having me here today. I'm really happy to join the podcast. Uh, So my name is Gargana. I am uh, the co-founder and CEO of Blonde Gone Rogue. We are a sustainable fashion business based out of London. And for the past uh, three and a half years, we have been working hard to make sustainable fashion more interesting in terms of designs uh, and more accessible in terms of a price point. Cool. So um, I get you mentioned sustainable fashion, which is obviously um, fashion being one of the biggest polluters in today's world, that in what we kind of live in. So let's start with you personally. What really does sustainability mean to you? Um, so that there's like a way for you to connect with everyone as well. Yes. So maybe it's a good idea to step a little bit back and go into why we started the company. Um, so I started this company with my sister in 2017. And it was our response as consumers uh, to the fact that there was all these scandals going on with H&M and not, um, companies not paying living wages to their employees, companies being polluters, companies burning tons and tons of stock every year just because they have to get it out of the stores so fast. Mm-hmm. And obviously all this didn't make sense. Uh, so then we thought of, okay, how about like we create an alternative and especially three years ago, it was so hard to find something that is not basic, but it's as well affordable and you can verify, uh, in terms of its origins and the work being done. So that's why we said, all right, when we do sustainable fashion, we are going to focus on two aspects and I think sustainability, although the definition of the word doesn't include it, does include the production and the ethics of the production. So we really wanted to produce in in good places, places as we know that pay fair wages, but as well, we wanted to make sure that our clothes use less materials and less new materials. So we really focused on using recycled, upcycled materials. And that has been like our path um, so far, just like really focusing on the material side. Mm-hmm. So can we use this kind of chance now to kind of educate the people um, about what really is the polluting factor or the unethical factor of current fast fashion kind of industry and how can you kind of change that as a consumer and also as maybe a producer or other players in the ecosystem? 
That's a great question. Um, let me see whether I can cover it and not take too much time. <laughs> Um, so let's let's start with the ethics part. Um, so what what we see a lot, and it's really out in the news now, especially with the pandemic going on, um, is that there is a lot of brands, and it's not only fast fashion brands. It is it is across the value proposition in terms of fashion um, that we see that just factories produce uh, companies. Sorry, produce somewhere and their workers in these dark conditions and getting paid cents by the hour and not getting paid overtime and being forced into overtime and weekend work without being compensated for this. Um, and it's it, it's something that is, is very tough. So it's tough to get transparency in from a brand perspective because very often you give to a factory but they give to another factory down the chain that mm -hmm. give to another factory. So it could be very lengthy. But at the same time, it is um, as well re really, really hard for factories to simply say, oh, we got to pay more because they're so squeezed on margins. So there's this, this like very difficult position because it's very difficult to solve because it's such a global problem, right? Companies are based in one country, they're producing on the other side of the world where, let's say, governments are not really concerned uh, about the wages of employees. Mm -hmm. So it's... And it's kind of easy to see with which companies this is happening for sure, right? If I'm buying a dress that is produced on the other side of the world and it costs five pounds, mm -hmm. then there's something fishy about this. It's, yeah. it's, it's not possible, right? Like only yeah. the shipping from the other side of the world will be so much. And yeah. when you think about labor, materials, shipping, margins, and then it's only five pounds, it's like, what? Yeah, when, when you start doing the math, it's, it's very tough. So... If, let's say, if consumers are really concerned about this, what my recommendation and what the easiest thing to do is to really um, shop from local brands okay. and brands you can connect with and understand their supply chain. Maybe mm -hmm. like brands that are producing locally because everybody's more aware of the environment nearby. Mm -hmm. And I really think it's like it's worth to buy like one item if it's just one and costs like let's say twenty pounds rather than four that costs five pounds and it's yeah you don't know what 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 is involved in making this this garments. Awesome. Um, yeah. Yes. So um, so I guess a follow up question with that. And this is something a question that us as a social enterprise in the zero waste space also gets. Um, when we try to make these sustainable switches and alternatives, mm -hmm. um, many businesses might say that this is not the profitable route, right? Um, mm -hmm. Because they need to have a transparent supply chain. They need to have um, insight into how people are being treated. So um, what would you kind of advise um, these, these kind of ecosystem players again in terms of how do you find that balance between profitability and sustainability? And is it still a profitable uh, venture that you can run? That's an extremely good question, and it's actually um, really addressing a struggle we're having right now because we are in the like just in the moment of sourcing materials for our next collection. Mm -hmm. And I, I must say, it's very hard to have uh, products that will be accessible from a price point to the mass consumer mm -hmm. and make them sustainable. It's extremely hard. Um, I can tell you as an example, we are the moment sourcing sustainable certified high quality materials. They're running between 10 and 16 pounds a meter. So it is 
it, it's, it's extremely hard to make it um, quickly and easily profitable. Um, however, there's always a way, right? It's, yeah. that, that's, that, that's our problem right now. What we're going to do, we're going to put it on the whiteboard and we're going to think, okay, what else can we do? How mm -hmm. we can stick to our ambition, to our price point, to make sustainable fashion accessible, but mm -hmm. as well like having the, the, the sustainable materials that we want. So it's not, it's not easy, it's not easier, it's not um, just as running a regular fashion brand. But it's our mission as well, and I believe there's always a way. It's tough, but right change is never easy. So definitely, and I think I think it's very similar to kind of like economies of scale concept as well, in the sense that when something new comes out, it's always a little bit more expensive. But when people start supporting it and backing it, um, that's when it can become more accessible. Um, so I think that's the trend that sustainability is in. So it is definitely a long process. Um, we're experiencing it, and I can hear it that you're experiencing it as well. Um, but it's just kind of cool to see how you guys are coming around it. Um, I also feel like communicating is a huge maybe uh, platform or an avenue to kind of make people aware of these changes. So is what is Blonde Gone Rogue kind of doing in terms of communication and education and um, helping people see about what effects their choices can have? Uh, yes, thank you for this question. Um, so we have uh, put it as our mission to be a brand as transparent as possible. Mm -hmm. And education is as well part of this. Like we believe that the fashion industry is up for a change um, yeah. and it's going to be absolutely revolutionized in the next couple of years. And education is, is a big part of this. So we are actually doing three things and we have three work streams when it comes to this. Mm -hmm. So first one, we're using our Instagram as educational platform. Nice. Um, so first we're trying to be as informative as possible about our, um, uh, our materials and the way we produce um, clothes and our working conditions. And as well, we are running what we find is very, very popular uh, Instagram quiz. So a couple of times a year, we're going to have 60 days where you can get one sustainability question on our stories every day. And we see great engagement, a really great response from our customers and our followers. So these like small snippets of data and knowledge are really well received um, by people who are interested in the subject. So that's one. Mm -hmm. The second one is um, our blog. So yeah. this is for people that like to consume like longer articles and more detailed information. And the last one, and um, something that we are like working hard this year to really make much more, more in depth, that is what we call the blonde chain. This is our transparency solution. Mm -hmm. And we are at the moment working towards bringing it to such a level that when you click on a product, you can see who designed it, who made it, where we Beautiful. got the material, how we shipped it, what are the labels made of, what are the package, what is the packaging made of, and what is, what is the, safe impact from these choices that we've made. That's that's really good. And just using existing platforms already to make this change, right? So just goes to show that we have already have the, the channels and platforms to make this change. Um, so really cool to hear what you're doing and your approach to it. Um, can you kind of also dig into kind of how do you incorporate circularity within your enterprise? So the main way we do it that is through upcycling okay. um so we 
design so far most of our collections from upcycled materials. Um, and the way we do it is we get dead stock materials. So this is factory leftover materials and we design bespoke clothing for these materials. So in a way we take what is trash uh, from another production and mm -hmm. we make it into new clothing. And it's actually great because we get this high quality, great materials Mm -hmm. uh, and they're just going to go thrown away and instead of that we give them um, a new life and another thing we're starting later this year is that we're going to start uh, the ship back program so okay. customers uh, could ship us back their old items and we are partnering um, to kind of like take what is like usable from this item so things like buttons zippers very often they are just uh yeah they're, they're good as as good as new when they come back so they can be used again and mm -hmm. the rest we can recycle with our partners so instead of customers potentially throwing away um these products we are gonna be taking them back so we're gonna have this shipping solution they can easily ship them back to us and then we can process them with our partners nice so i guess that's a great transition to my next question you mentioned partners right so um, considering the transparency and considering partners can have such a huge impact when we collaborate, um, can you kind of give shed some light on um, more about the communities, the producers, the makers you work with? Yes, so when it comes to like, sustainability and ethics in the fashion industry and mm -hmm. people trying to change this, it's really great because all these people that we meet that are like-minded are so purpose-driven and there's so much energy to drive change. I believe you're probably like experiencing the same. That yeah, it's, it's really motivating. <laughs> exactly, it's very energizing, it's very motivating. Um, so we, I think are very lucky because as well, um, our hometown, so both me and my sister, the founders of the company, we are from Bulgaria, mm -hmm. obviously, uh, I, both of us. And um, <laughs> yeah, we're sisters, right? We can all be from different places. Uh, so. In our hometown, there's this big sewing industry. So there's a lot of factories and because the quality of work is really, really high and it's usually not, not so big factories, but more of small workshops. Mm -hmm. um, we have a lot of uh, really high-end brands and boutiques produced here. So practically at our fingertips, it's very, we have um, availability of these greatly trained professionals. Mm -hmm. um, and it's very easy for us to obviously walk around, use our network in our hometown to connect with people who will be eager to work with us. Mm -hmm. And actually, this is how we started. We just got connected to a factory that loved working with young designers. And it's not really lucrative for them because our quantities are so small. But at the same time, mm -hmm. the factory manager, she was just like, I love having like young people with the energy around. And we saw that the factory workers loved having the designer around because they never get probably anywhere from the anyone from the company to come by and talk to them and talk about the designs and the work. So they really, really liked having the person in the building, working together with the designer and really like making every, every uh, detail of the clothing just as the designer wanted it. Um, so we have that, this community and we have our partners here and that is just very, very nice and it works very well because the depth of the connection we can develop with them. Great. That's really, yeah, as you mentioned, just having that is motivating and you telling me this across oceans itself is a, quite motivating too, just to hear the drive and hear the passion that surrounds you. 
Um, but times that we're experiencing right now in terms of coronavirus, COVID, um, they're quite unprecedented in terms of what mm-hmm. we're experiencing. So have you had any reflections or thoughts on kind of self-sufficiency, the local economy that you mentioned, upcycling, and anything else that you kind of use to reinvent yourself during this time? Yes. Um, so I think the biggest learning was that um, you should never relax as a brand and you should always be prepared for the unexpected and be able to react very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as a mainly online business, we were not as strongly impacted by what was going on. Mm-hmm. As well, we were very lucky to just have received our new collection when things started happening. Oh. Um, however, what... Um, so we, we, we could respond very fast because we were not in a situation where we were really impacted by the lockdown mm-hmm. in terms of production and, and distribution and sales. Mm-hmm. Uh, my main learning was to always think ahead and always have a backup plan. So if what we're doing doesn't work, what is the next thing we're going to do? And I think thinking like this, it can save so much stress to founders, especially of, of small brands that... You know, like a month makes or breaks a brand um, in, in some cases. So just, just knowing what you're going to do if you have a bad month, right? right? What are the steps we're going to take? That, that's really helpful. And my main learning is never, never be in a situation that you don't know what your next step is if what you're doing doesn't work. That's great. That's great. So I, I have a question that I'm personally quite curious about um, in terms of this whole aspect of greenwashing, right? Like, a lot of their brands mm-hmm. out there might be thinking, might be communicating now, especially because sustainability is becoming this trend. They're on this on this um, marketing efforts, things like that, saying yes, our supply chains are transparent, but in a way they might not be. So, how as do, do I, as a consumer, figure out whether someone is kind of greenwashing or authentic to their values? Is there anything you kind of can share with us about that? That's a very good question, and it's something that. All of us as consumers are facing around us and there are great examples. If you just simply Google greenwashing, you're going to see such great examples how it's very easy to influence a person's mind with colors, with wording, with environment, with packaging. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's something that we should really, really all be very aware of because mm-hmm. like we, we vote in a way with our money and who we give our money to, we support these brands. Um, So we we see this a lot in fashion. 2019 was named the year of sustainability in fashion. And I must tell you that when we started in 2017, I had to explain to customers what is sustainable fashion. I don't have to explain it to anyone anymore. Everybody knows. Like I just get get, like notes of people being like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I know what it is. And I really like it, the concept. Um, we are as well in, in the year where Fashion Revolution named H&M the most transparent brand. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a very, very much of um, deciding for ourselves how much we want to see from brands to really trust them. Uh, my advice would be if people really don't want to be greenwashed, always look for the details and be critical. So we're going to go on any website practically these days of any company and there's a sustainability page. Mm-hmm. But how much detail is on this page? Is it just a picture of one worker that is smiling and saying, oh, all our factories are 
meeting these conditions or are you saying like which are the workers that make the, the items and where are your factories and uploading pictures from all these factories and actually vouching that the products that were made in this factory somebody from the company actually audited and it made sure that what the company was told as well was actually what happened and the company is really eager to scan for this detail that it's providing so i think the truth is always in the detail if there's no detail i i myself I, i'm immediately like i don't trust this mm-hmm. and about the detail is is does it make sense is it reasonable can you connect to the brand for instance right if a customer writes to us oh can you give me more details about this we would give a lot of details immediately and i see this from a lot of a lot of sustainable and authentic brands that I know from their founders and I really know what they're doing and how they're doing it. Mm-hmm. So you see that on a website. If, if this information is missing or is difficult to get, then mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't put my money behind this brand if I'm looking for something sustainable, right? If this is yeah. the reason why I'm buying from them. Definitely. No, great points. For sure. Yeah, go on. Let me, let me just add, I think like if something is emphasizing too much the green color, be careful. <laughs> that's that's. I think that's a classic trap. If there is a motto in a jungle and it says sustainability, be careful. <laughs> Great. So thank you so much for that. I guess ask questions and also sections on websites that could have a sustainability aspect to it, sustainability reports, and whether they're updated on a periodic basis is something that we should all look out for. Um, so <laughs> moving to my last question here. Being an entrepreneur yourself, what is one piece of advice you would give to other aspiring eco-entrepreneurs or even intrapreneurs, so people within organizations, um, to make change or to drive change? Um, so I think my main learning starting the company and trying to learn from a lot of other companies, mm-hmm. um, it's never as easy as it looks in articles and interviews. Um, to be an entrepreneur, you have to be willing to give up a lot of your sleep and a lot of your your off time to the company and a lot of your love to the company. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's a really it's a really passionate relationship <laughs> with with the brand and with sustainability. But it's as well the most rewarding rewarding work I've ever done. So there's nothing that compares to a customer coming back to us or like sharing our product on Instagram and being, I absolutely love it. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. So the highs are really high, the lows are really low as well. But if that's what somebody is work is looking for in, in their career, mm-hmm. entrepreneurship is definitely something that, that they should dive in. And if they really care about changing an industry, there's such a big opportunity I believe in any industry right now to really dive in sustainability and drive change in this. And it can be done in any way. It can be it can be in shipping, it can be in tech, it can be in product. So it, it can even be in marketing, right? So it's yeah. the the field is very open and there are not so many people doing the real great work that can change industries right now. So it's it's definitely worth taking the plunge. And we can always go back, right, to corporate careers if this doesn't work. There's always space for people who try their startups, even if they failed. The experience mm-hmm. and the learning is just tremendous. So worth to take a shot. 
worth to take a shot. That's great. It's a great way to end this as well, because it's just quite motivating what you've said. <laughs> so um, I want to kind of thank you for taking the time to speak with us. Um, is there any kind of closing remarks you have for our listeners about Bl Blonde Gone Rogue or anything like that? Uh, yes. So first, it was wonderful uh, to join. Thank you very much, Mehul. Um, I think your work is as well really, really exceptional. As a closing remark, and mainly a main takeaway uh, from this is for people who want to shop sustainable fashion, it's worth to do your research and it's worth to spend the time to really look for these small local brands that are really working to give you something different. And I can tell you from personal experience, you're going to love these items much more. That's great. So find intimacy with your stuff too. So thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. And with that, I'm just going to say goodbye to everyone. Thank you again, Gargana. Thank you, Mehul. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you, Gurgana, for joining us for another episode of Bare Thoughts, a podcast to discuss all things sustainability, circularity, and change in various aspects in an unfiltered way. Thank you.